Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnett.org. Well, good morning, church. It's good to be back here with you. Uh, We got back on... uh... I don't even know when I got back. Thursday night uh, from Cameroon, Mark and Will and I. Uh, I know Mark is here somewhere uh, if he's awake. Um, And uh, Will is uh, doing some traveling. Um, But we had a fantastic time in Cameroon. What a... What an amazing uh, trip that we had. It was a whirlwind, and uh, being with Ernest is always like being around a whirlwind, uh, and the nation is just amazing. If you want to be loved and liked and welcomed and greeted and treated like family, go to Cameroon. Uh, They'll love you. Somebody asked one time, uh, do they love Americans? And it was like, oh, Americans are their absolute favorite, which is always nice. Uh, When you travel around the world, you never know if you're loved or not as an American, Uh, probably because we're so good looking and they get jealous. Uh, or we're pompous and they don't like that either. I don't know. Uh, but I'm going to go with the good looking. Uh, but it was such a great time. So I have some photos here and I'm just going to walk them through. It's a quick, that's a, when we stayed at the farm, that was our little farmhouse that we stayed in. Uh, and uh, two rooms and a little gathering area. So that was interesting. Uh, this is the pineapple area. The goal is that they have, uh, gets about a million pineapples to become this self-sustaining farm. And there's Dr. Mike right there in the red. He's an amazing man of God. This is us at the Baca village, that's the Baca pygmies, uh, that people group that are the original indigenous of Cameroon, and so got a picture, had a worship night with them, got to preach, uh, that's their church right there, so a little different than our building, but uh, had a great time worshiping and preaching there. Uh, the school that, that uh, is a mix of a school for special needs, as well as uh, those who don't have special needs, uh, about 100 kids uh, there, and we'll do the chapel service for them, uh, we all got to dance with them that day. I think Mark was the best. Uh, This is Mark right here doing the teacher training. Uh, I don't remember what was happening at that moment, but I got a good picture, so I decided to give it to you. But great time with the teacher training. There's King Mark. Uh, He got his uh, kingly outfit there, and I think Will had also had a kingly outfit there for everyone to see. For some reason, my picture didn't make it in this. I don't know why. Um, And then uh, there I am. Um, But uh, just running through those real quick. Uh, we did a lot of stuff. We went all over the nation. Uh, it, was a, it really was a whirlwind. Uh, but man, what an amazing ministry you support with Bread for Life and then all the different parts of Bread for Life from the, the school to the, the village ministry to the, the farm, which is gonna really minister to the entire nation, to church planting. Uh, I got to preach in a church that had burned down and we're meeting kind of in a, uh, a garage that was built into the side of a hill uh, while they uh, tried to rebuild some stuff and got to minister to leadership and team members. And uh, it was just a great time. Thanks for sending us. Uh, Will wins the uh, Warrior Sleeping Award, uh, just so you know. Uh, the first night at the farm, um, I wake up to someone screaming, it's in here with me. We, <laughs> we had mosquito nets to keep the bugs out. But it didn't keep the rats out. Uh, so now I woke up and I didn't know who was screaming. I didn't know where I was. I barely knew who I was. So all of a sudden I realized it's Will screaming. I don't know what's in there with him. It's dark. 
So, and then he's like, it's a rat, it's a rat. And I'm like, oh, good Lord, turn on the light. We slept with the lights on for two nights, just so you're aware. You could hear Mr. Rat. And I tried to compete with him because one night I had geckos running all over me. They're friendly, but they're sticky. And I thought, I'll compete with Will. But then I woke up and realized that he had slept in a chair because his bed was full of bugs. So he wins. Uh, That won't happen to you when you go. We took care of all of it. (laughs) Greatest, one one of uh, my favorite third world nation I've ever been to. Fantastic people. I mean, we already are, have lifelong friends. Uh, it's exciting. We have Ernest back in February and hopefully one or more of his team members. Uh, it is a, a Jesus-worthy ministry for us to sow our finances into, and so we are committed more and more and more. And it's, there's big God dreams there, so it's going to need, they need to dream big because God always does more. But they need people to come alongside them, and that's part of what HCF does is come alongside them to really see the, the, the face of the nation, nation change so they can know Jesus and, and grow and have greater and greater influence. Um, so we had a fantastic time. And, you know, you have to adjust to the time travel. Uh, you know, like I said before we left, you, you're going seven hours this way, and then you're going down to the equator. And so I assume it's Sunday because we're all here, but if I fall asleep, it's not you, it's me. Um, But we're adjusting to everything. I do recommend that if you have a cough, don't get on an airplane because people will hate you. Uh, uh, I wanted to tell people we've been coughing for about 8,000 years as humans, but uh, post-COVID, you're the devil. So... I got to be the devil on all of our flights, um, but I'm, I'm good, I'm good, and uh, it's a cough because we cough as humans, but uh, we're kicking off our second Peter series. Today, y'all wrapped up the core, core series while I was gone, and today we're starting a three-week series in second Peter, so if you want to turn, turn to chapter one of second Peter, you can. I want to give a little bit of an overview for you uh, so you can kind of see where we're, where we're coming from and what Peter's thoughts were, so Here's Peter, we know him, he's the, you know, one of the 12 disciples. Jesus said, you're the rock I'm going to build the church on as I go. That's your main call. You're going to be a church planter and a shepherd. And so we get this book of 2 Peter, because we, we did 1 Peter uh, maybe a year and a half, two years ago. Um, the second book that he writes is really his shepherd's heart coming to us as believers of Jesus and as a church family, because Almost every single thing in the New Testament is written to a church family, individual believers who are a part of a church, and and so that's who it's written to. We're never supposed to be lone rangers or kind of hit and miss followers or I'll attend when I want to. We're called as saved followers of Jesus to be a part of a church, and if we're not, we're missing a main point of the salvation of Jesus in our lives, and so... Here's Peter, and he's writing to the church, and there's a lot of stuff going on around them in culture and in religion, and and he knows the enemy's desire is to destroy God's people. From the beginning of the book of Genesis, we see that the enemy was working to destroy relationship with God and our identity in God. He's been, you know, he has this bend on distorting God's truth. He, He did it with Eve. Did God really say and he did it all the way through. He still does it today that, that he lies, he distorts, he deceives, he entices. And, and, and his desire is to lead people away from God. And so Peter's writing to this church so that they live in the triumphant grace, that favor 
that is victorious, that they live in that, not duped, led astray, or worrisome with what's going on around. But Satan's desire is to steal from us, to, to destroy our lives, to kill our hearts. That's what the enemy does. His desire has always bring, been to, to bring harm to God's people and, and, to, and to bring down Jesus' church wherever it is uh, around the globe. That's his heart, uh, if he has a heart. Uh, and so Second Peter is addressing believers that are, uh, you know, they're facing the steady onslaught of the attacks of the enemy. Uh, and so in First in Peter, if you go back one, one chapter there in First Peter chapter 5, verse 8, um, Peter's calling us to pay attention and, and never get sloppy. And he says, stay alert in First Peter 5, 8. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, that sounds scary that the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion. But here's the thing. He's a liar. A roaring lion doesn't prowl, and a prowling lion doesn't roar. It would be pointless. If a lion's hungry and it's prowling, why in the world would it roar? It's just going to scare off its prey. And a roaring lion isn't going to waste its time prowling. It's going to stand proud, roaring loudly. So the enemy, even in this, he's just a liar. And he's not even a lion. He acts like one because he can't be one. There's one lion, right? the lion of the tribe of Judah. His name is Jesus, and he defeated the enemy at the cross. So all the enemy can do is his thing, and that's try to distort truth. So he prowls around like a lion, but he's a fraud because that's who he is. And, and so then you have this, um, this heartbeat from Peter in, in the second book that he writes telling us to stay vigilant. Stay vigilant in your following of Jesus, in your pursuit of Christ, in your, in, your, in your stance against the enemy. He is defeated, but he's still attacking. Peter's heart for the church is that we would be diligent and that we would stand strong as we follow Jesus. So he challenges Jesus' followers to continue to grow in their faith, to, to grow in their love, to, to give away their lives and have this beautiful service to God, for others, and for the kingdom, and, and to always live ready for Jesus' return. We don't just stare at the sky hoping he comes back. We live well looking forward to his return if it happens in our lifetime. And if not, we pass along that same desirous heart into the next generation of followers, and we get to come back with him. And it's a, it's a cool book when you read it because... As you, as you read through the, the book of 2 Peter's three chapters, I highly encourage you. Hey, I can see you. Uh, I highly encourage you to read it once a week. It's three chapters. It ain't going to take that long for you. We, we learned the word ain't doesn't work in Cameroon, by the way. Uh, we, we, it was very Texan of us. But we tried not to use it. But it's not going to take you long to read three chapters. Read it every week and just take it in. Read it all in one sitting. Just take it in. Just take it in. You, you'll see in it there's Peter who's... It's a beautiful blend, a marriage of ethics and eschatology, this, this morality of how we live while looking forward to the coming day of Jesus. And it's blended together so beautifully in just three chapters there. And, and we see the intimate connection of how I live helps me to properly look forward 
to, to Jesus' return and properly looking forward to Jesus' return affects the way I live here and now. And so it's this beautiful mar- marriage, this blend. But in, in the entire book that we have, we see this great shepherding pastor encouraging us to live well and, and to live wise. To live well, to be, to be moral, but not for morality. Be moral because we love Jesus, but, but live well amongst others, but also be wise and not fall for everything or get caught up in wrong things that, that shouldn't have our attention. False teaching is one of the ways that Satan, you know, he, uh, he breeds destruction in the church or in the life of a believer. And, and so Peter wants to remind us to look to the gospel, to look to Christian community, to, to stay on the right path. This shows us everything we need, and Christian community keeps us accountable and safe and healthy. So our big idea today is that God gives you everything for life and godliness. It's right there in the the beginning of the the first chapter that we're going to look at in a second. God gives you everything for life and godliness. You don't have to go earn it. You can't earn it. You don't have to hunt it down. It's not hidden. You don't have to figure it out. He shows it to you plainly. It's, it's a gift. A gift is not earned. Uh, it's not hunted for. It's not bought. It's a gift of life and godliness that is in Scripture, that is in, in the person of Jesus, and it's in the community of believers that we gather around us and that we allow ourselves to gather around. So as Christians, we don't focus on Satan and his schemes. We focus on Jesus we focus on becoming like him, on following his words for life, on, on, on him coming again to, to right every wrong and establish his, relation, his, his righteousness here on earth. What we read in Revelation chapter 21, especially verses one through seven, he's gonna come and he's gonna make all things new and he's gonna wipe away all the tears and all the pain and all the sorrow and all the negative that ever has existed, he's gonna wipe it away and establish a new kingdom of righteousness in our midst. And we're gonna do life with Jesus. That's who we look to. We don't look to, to well, what's Satan doing and how do I need to avoid that? No, I look to Jesus. What he's do, what's he doing and how, how do I need to get in on this? We're saved. You're saved if you make Jesus your Lord and Savior. You're saved if you're a believer, you're saved if you're a Christian following Jesus. And so because you're saved, that's what you live out of. You don't have to live in fear of earning your salvation. You're saved. It's God's gift to you. And gifts are given so that you can enjoy them. We just celebrated my youngest, turned nine yesterday. If I had given him those gifts and then said, here's all your presents, buddy. Now I need you to earn them. It wouldn't have been a gift. If I'd have given him uh, gifts and said, um, you know, now you need to, uh, you know, you're, you're going to play with it for a little bit, but, but after a while, I need you to, to despise that gift or, or not like that gift anymore. It wouldn't, wouldn't really be an enjoyable gift. Gifts are given to be enjoyed. So the gift of salvation is given to you to enjoy life here on planet Earth. It's not to hunker down and look forward to like when life finally ends and everything's made right. It's going to be a beautiful day, but it, if I'm living, hating life now, just looking forward to the next only, I'm gonna miss out on the gift of eternal life given to me. We're called to live an abundant life, spirit-filled, overcomers, triumphant grace, 
I mean, what does that mean to you? Triumphant grace. It's victorious favor. You're victorious. You're the winner. You're the winner because he won. So live out of that. It's a lot better than going, oh, can't wait till he gets back. Can't wait till he gets back. Can't wait till he gets back. That's a fearful, a fear-based living. So we cherish that gift. We grow it, right? We take that salvation and we're not like, well, I got saved and now I'm just gonna wait. No, I, I'm saved and now I wanna know Jesus more. I wanna, I wanna act like Jesus more. I wanna learn how to respond like Jesus in this setting where I used to lose my brain and scream at people, I wanna respond like Jesus. So I'm gonna grow into that. In this setting where, where that guy uh, used to freak me out, I wanna be able to love him in spite of how the relationship is like Jesus would. Uh, in this setting where, where that person is just living a lie, I wanna speak truth in love. So I have to grow in that. So we're saved so that we can also grow into our salvation. And, and and we remain steadfast in the midst of trial and suffering and challenges that come. That's what this book talks about. Next week, if you read chapter two, it's a little dark. I'm gonna warn you. If you read it, you're gonna be like, oh man, there's only a half a verse that's like, woo. Everything else is like, ah. But it's, it's, in the, it's sandwiched between two beautiful passages because suffering and challenges and trials happen. So how do I live free and full of life in the midst of them? We're living, I say this a lot, we're living with house money in following Jesus. No matter what happens to me, I know where I'm going. No matter what happens to my nation, I know where I'm going. No matter what happens in, a, in, in my health, I know where I'm going. I know where my residence is because I'm, my name is written in, in ink that, is, that, that cannot be erased in the Lamb's book of life. And so every day I live, it's for Jesus and for others because I'm set. And we're going to walk through uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, the whole thing. We're just going to read it all together here. Uh, you're not going to read it. You're going to watch it. Follow me. But uh, we're, going to, we're going to go through the whole 21 verses here, and then we'll talk about it. Um, so 1 Peter, or 2 Peter, sorry, chapter 1. And so much is happening here, right? But the, the big picture is this. It's what God wants for his people, and that he wants all people to become his people uh, and live in his triumphant grace. We've We've been given everything for life and godliness. We've been given this generous, triumphant grace for our daily faith walk, and that's what Peter's talking about. So he starts off and he says, this letter is from Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing to you who share the same precious faith we have. This faith was given to you because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus, our Lord. And then he talks about God's generous grace, verse three, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. And then he talks to us about living godly lives, starting in verse five. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge 
and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. That covers it all. Brotherly and sisterly affection in the house of God and then for everyone else that's not in the house of God. Maybe just other believers or the lost. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting they've been cleansed from their old sins. So dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you are really among, that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Then he talks about living godly lives. Therefore, I will always remind you about these things, even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth you've been taught. And it is only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. For our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me that I must soon leave this earthly life So I work hard to make sure you always remember these things after I am gone. And then he talks to us about paying attention. In verse 16, for we were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes when he received honor and glory from God the Father. The voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. We ourselves heard that voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Because of that experience, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. You must pay close attention to what they wrote, for their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and Christ the morning star shines in your hearts. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in scripture ever came from a prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. There's a lot in there. It's powerful, it's majestic, it's grandiose, it's like pictures just displaying all over the place. It's big stuff because we serve a big God who beat sin and death and made the grave irrelevant for followers of Jesus. And when Peter's talking here, he mentions knowledge uh, in verses two, five, six, and eight. When he's talking about knowledge there, he's not talking about gained intellect like book study or being a bookworm or whatever that is. He's talking about knowing Jesus and having that knowledge of Jesus and the relationship with Jesus transform your life. It is actually applied knowledge that changes me, not knowledge for the sake of knowing. I can read an encyclopedia and, 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 and just kind of you know, restate it all, or I can know what the encyclopedia is talking about. Like, I, I'm a math guy. I love math in school. So I can tell you all about math because I know math. Science, I learned how to make 100 by studying right. But I couldn't tell you one thing. Science, my science knowledge is just book knowledge. My math knowledge, it's in me. And so this knowledge is what he's talking about. It's knowledge that changes your life. It's this full experience of knowing Jesus that results in total transformation of the way you think, the way you act, um, the way you react, that's a biggie. It's one thing to act like Jesus. It's a big thing to react like Jesus, right? Some of you know, and you're like, I just don't want to nod my head. I don't want to agree with that. 
Because, you know, it's, it's easy to think, it's not always easy, it's easier to think through how I'm gonna act. Reacting is in the moment. Reacting like Jesus. And the more you do it like him, the Holy Spirit will say, good job. Well done. You took that knowledge and you put it in your heart. Well done. When she used to say that to you, this is what you used to do, and now you're just Jesus. When you used to go for Thanksgiving and this, would, this issue came up, you, you were fit to be tied. Now you're like just loving them like Jesus. That's knowledge that has gotten in here, worked its way up here, and it comes out here. Or maybe sometimes it just doesn't come out at all. Amen? Sometimes the biggest Jesus thing we can do is say nothing and just be like, Jesus, me and you talking later, right? But that's applied knowledge. So, so he, he, and he talks about this transformation and, and then the, the lack of it in the next chapter, which we'll get into more next week, but I want to read chapter 2, verse 24 you real quick. It says that people can know our Lord and Savior Jesus and escape the world's filth, but if they get involved in this filth again and give into it, they are worse off than they were before. See, true knowledge doesn't allow us to go back there. True knowledge applied in the heart of a believer doesn't allow me to go back to where I once was or who I once was. It changes us into someone better. It guards our hearts. It guards our minds from what's false. And, and so Peter is, he's given us this big picture of, of what's going on because he knows then and, and the Holy Spirit knows knew then that now would still be the setting where there's false teaching that happens. And false teaching can come in the side of religion or can come in the side of culture. But there's false teaching on, on both sides. And, you know, and, and so the best, this is kind of an odd statement, but the best false teaching has partial truth in it. Like, not best on our side, but the best duping kind, deceiving kind has partial truth in it. And that's how the enemy did it with, with Eve in the garden. And he just continued it on. You know, she wasn't supposed to eat the fruit. And the enemy knew that. So he said, well, you know, did, did he, did, you know, do you think you're really going to die? Well, God didn't say you're going to die if you eat the fruit. The enemy did. He added to it. He added a partial truth to, to what was true. And that's what he, he entices us with. But the heartbeat of the church and the heartbeat of the believer should be that I'm all about Jesus. That's the key. I'm all about Jesus. I'm not worrying about the false. I'm just all about Jesus. I'm not worrying about, about half-truths. I'm all about Jesus. I'm not worrying about that person getting, you know, having a, a louder uh, microphone in life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love people for Jesus. I'm not going to worry about how to stop things. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on how to give away Jesus. Everything centered on Jesus is the absolute must that we have to, have to live in and out of. Us looking at what Jesus would say, looking at what Jesus would do, again, how he would act or, or react, that's what matters most. That's what keeps us from falling for the false. And we've been given this truth or these truths in Scripture by the Holy Spirit himself, we're told in verses 20 and 21, this was given by the Spirit of the living God, not by man coming up with some amazing thing to write. But, but he gave it so that we could become more and more exact 
replications and representations of Jesus himself so that we could look like Jesus. One degree at a time, the Holy Spirit turns us into the very image of Jesus Christ, according to Scripture. And so here's Peter. He's such a loving shepherd now, and and he writes chapter 2 to help us grow and, and help us guard our souls while showing us the triumphant grace of God, that, that love triumphs over troubles and pain that happens in our lives, that, that in this world filled with deception and what's false, we live secure in truth. So Peter's making sure that, that we know the importance of this love, especially when it comes to our growth in Jesus. Spiritual growth is a process of learning to love like Jesus so Peter speaks about growing in, in, in God's triumphant grace and becoming fully mature as we, as we share this, this truth to others. Verse four is a, is a beautiful verse, and it tells us um, these are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption. So we, we have the divine nature of Jesus. Isn't that crazy to think? A lot of you out there are like, I don't, I hear you and I read that, but this is me we're talking about. But according to Peter, who was given this information by the spirit of the living God, who is the same spirit of the living God that lives in your soul at salvation, he says, you share exactly in the divine nature of Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. That's you. And if you struggle with that, Struggle forward to God and go, hey, help me, help convince me that this is true because I'm not gonna try to convince you it's false because you know it's true, God. But we have the divine nature of Jesus, which means we can live free and whole and abundant. And Peter's letting us know that God's desire is not just to shield us from lies, but that as we endure hardships and trials and sufferings that come, we'll grow in our faith and will mature in our faith. Like, it'll help me to grow, and it'll strengthen my faith in him. Triumphant grace and enduring love. That's the message of 2 Peter. God's shepherding heart is encouraging you and I to stay the course until Jesus returns. Even if that means we pass away before he does, we stay the course. And the goal here is, is to challenge us to have to have a Jesus-centered thought life that leads us to living free and being productive like Peter writes here. Staying on track is each believer's responsibility. It is your responsibility for you to stay on track in following Jesus, but it's not difficult if it's done right. That's what's so beautiful. It's, it's best done in small caring communities according to scripture and the, the plan of the church and everything we read in the New Testament Churches and small caring communities is where it is done best, done right, and done the most wholesome way. That's why we have membership classes coming up next week. That's why we, we encourage everyone to be a part of a life group or come on Wednesday Night Live as we wrap up First Thessalonians and chapter five and all of its bigness. Get a meal, hang out with people, let your kids be in youth or in kids with Pastor Jordan and let's grow in, in a small caring community that is learning about scripture together as we interact. Get a part of a life group. If you're not in a life group, check some out. You might go to one and be like, they're not really for me. Go check another one out. They're not going to be offended. And if they are, let them deal with it, right? You know, we got to grow. 
but we're called to be in, in small caring communities because that's how we do this life best and right. And if you want to be mature and not a child drinking milk from a bottle and following Jesus, you do the things Jesus says to do. And again, family is the way. It's why it's one of our core values here. At the same time, Peter's, you know, letting us know, hey, there's this great civil war of the soul going on. Verses 3 through 10, he talks about this great civil war. We have our, our flesh, which is bound to ourselves and is corrupt. It's against God. We have our spirit as we're saved. Our spirit becomes tied to Jesus. It is for Jesus. It's righteous. It's whole. It's perfect. It's blameless. And then we have the soul. And the soul is where free will comes into play. And we have the ability to choose spirit or flesh every time. That person said this, I act like Jesus or I act like me. That person acted this way, I act like Jesus or I act like me. Here's here's something that's set before me. Is it right or wrong? My flesh says it's right, so it's obviously wrong. So I'm gonna go with my spirit, right? So the soul is the chooser. And so Peter's talking to us and he's like, hey, there's a great civil war going on. Your flesh will battle the spirit, but your soul can always choose Jesus if you want, and that's what he's encouraging us to do. And here's the point he's broadly, or just loudly broadcasting to us. You and I have all we need to live like Jesus. Verse three, everything you need for life and for godliness, to do this life well and to look and sound like Jesus, everything's been given to you. It's right there, and it's been planted in your heart because the Holy Spirit has sealed you. At salvation, you were sealed to Jesus. There was a, you know, a seal placed upon your heart, and so you have the ability to choose Jesus every time. Verses eight and nine, the more we grow in this healthy, safe, Jesus-saturated lifestyle, the more productive we'll be in life We won't live like slaves or orphans anymore. We won't forget that we've been forgiven, like it says. We won't forget we've been cleansed from all sins. I mean, Peter was this mess who became a message. His life proves that that Jesus can do perfect work through imperfect sons and daughters. And he's absolutely certain, Peter is, that, that if we wanna live whole and mature, Jesus will lead us there. Religion and culture are the real enemy. Religion says, Jesus and this is how you do it. Culture says, this is really what Jesus meant. This is really what you should be doing. I don't even know what he said, but this is what you should do. And Jesus says, this is all you need. We are all about Jesus. We are Bible-believing, and we are spirit-led in this church. And that's all we need for life and godliness. And here's the thing, this letter here, the first chapter specifically, they're for our freedom and for our purity, our, our purity of thought and actions. But as much as it's for us, it's always for the advancement of the good news. I'm saved, you're saved. If you know Jesus, you're saved. So it's so that I live free and I walk pure so that I can tell others about Jesus. And so there's three questions I wanna ask you to ponder as we go to worship. And as you walk out this week, and they are three personal questions for you to to answer, and I get to stand right now, and I'm gonna ask them here as we go to worship 
And, and whatever you need to do during this time, whether it's come up here and talk to Jesus or talk to him out there or say, you know, at the end of prayer, at the end of the worship, when, when the prayer team's up here, I'm gonna go up and get them to pray for me. You do that, but some of these questions are about what to add and some of these questions are about what am I doing to live for Jesus, for others. The first one is this. What do you need to have happen in your life to live passionately for Jesus every day? Are you living daily, if you're honest with yourself, at the end of the day, just being honest with yourself, are you living every day passionate for Jesus? If your answer is yes, praise God. But if it's, man, sometimes, not often, oh, I struggle. This is a safe place to be real with Jesus. So what do you need to have happen in your life to live passionately for Jesus every single day, whatever that looks like for you? And then the two that are for others, how can you come alongside another person to help him grow or, or encourage her as she walks this life out? How can you come alongside someone to give away what is happening in your life because of Jesus? They're either struggling or they're new in Jesus or they're up and down like a roller coaster. How can you come alongside that person knowing that, that Jesus has given you his grace, he's given you his victory, and he said, now be me on planet earth, just like I walked alongside Peter when he betrayed me, and when I, when I, when I loved, you know, the, the woman who was broken at my feet, when I, when I gave to the, the thief on the cross who knew he was bound for a Christless eternity, and I gave him eternal life. Be that for others. How can you come alongside someone to encourage him to help her as they grow and they walk in their daily life. And then verse 19 says, you must pay close attention to the written word because these words are like a lamp shining in a dark place. You are living out as a lamp shining in a dark place. So how are you helping others in the dark to see the light? I'm gonna pray right now. I'm gonna ask God to give you one person at least to come to mind that you know is living in the dark. Whatever that darkness looks like. It could be health, it could be relationship, it could be just a struggle, it could be their major sin issue, it could be just that they're just lost, lost, lost. But there's darkness in their life that they're living in and even if they know it, they can't get out or maybe they don't wanna get out right now. And as I pray and that person comes to mind, I'm asking you to ask Jesus, Jesus, how can I be the lamp to shine your light in their darkness and expose the lie for what it is so they can walk in the freedom that I know? You save me, Jesus, from myself. How can I help that person get saved from their situation and their circumstances? Lord, I, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your, your love for us. I thank you for your your commitment to not only save us, but then to use us to save others. Lord, help us to live free and whole and mature, not duped by the enemy, not fearful of the, the prowling fraud lion, but, but fully alive and abundant in you. And at the same time that we live that out, help us to help others, to be an encouragement, to be a strength, to be a maturing person in their lives. And 
And Lord, would you bring to mind at least one person for each one of us here who's following you, one person, one person who's stuck in the dark, one person who's hiding in the corner of life, one person who's, who's paralyzed by fear of darkness and stuck in it, maybe the pride that darkness brings. Bring that person to mind and then, and then will you give us the strategy of how to bring the light into their life as one who loves them because we love you. Let that be our motivator, God, every moment of our lives that we would love people because we love you and you loved us enough to go to the cross to save us for all time. Help us to be lights shining in darkness, victorious in your triumphant grace. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full service replays, visit us online at hcfburnit.org. God bless and have a great week.